You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the second of the two-part special previewing the new SWPL1 season that commences on Sunday the 7th of August. To help us count down to new season, we have interviews with players and managers from all 12 clubs that we have split into two episodes. We thank them for giving our time to Dave, Vinny and myself, John. In part two, we hear the thoughts from the three Edinburgh-based clubs, Spartans, Hibernian and Hartman Lothian. We also have the two Lanarkshire-based sides, Hamilton Academical and Motherwell, and last season's fifth-place side, Aberdeen. First up, we hand over to Dave for an insight from Spartans ahead of their new season. Hello, I'm Dave Smith and I'm here for the Scottish Football Forums podcast preview for the SWPL 1-22-23 season with Becky Galbraith of Spartans. Becky, uh, how are we? Yeah, really well. Thank you very much. Fantastic. So, first and foremost, pre-season for you. Uh, how's it been going? Yeah, it's been really, really good. Um, it's been tough. Obviously, you expect that from pre-season. It needs to be to get the fitness levels up. Um also give us time to, to gel and to work as a team. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been really good. We've, we've taken a massive step up this season where we've added in two extra training sessions with Donald Park, which obviously a lot of people know about. His sessions have been fantastic. The girls are really enjoying it. Um, learning a lot from him, gaining a lot as well, um, especially for the new girls that have joined the squad. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's given... A lot of the players' opportunity to develop more over, you know, that short pre-season period with those extra sessions. In terms of the extra pre-season sessions, they obviously help. And it's probably helped uh, you as a team both on and off the park. Spartans have always been renowned as a team with togetherness, but this will just go even further now. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, one of the one of the main most important things about developing as a team and team cohesion is proximity and the more time you spend with your teammates um, the more you bond with them it's just as simple as that and you can really see the bond within our team you know at Spartans we've always had a really strong togetherness it's something that is at the forefront um, of our priorities within the dressing room and you can really see that um, probably at its best that it's been um, and, and the girls, again, that have came in, um, the feedback that we get from them, you know, we're one of these clubs that, you know, if a, a new player comes in, young or old, we try and integrate them as best as possible um, and make them feel part of the club. Well, what was your reflections on last season, Becky? Because you enjoyed a sustainable campaign, but maybe too much draws in there? <laughs> Um, I don't know how many times we've had this conversation with people. I'm not having a go at you, by the way. I know, I understand, I understand. It just seems to be this, the draws, the draws, the draws. You know, first and foremost, let's take a compliment from it because people are so surprised that we've had so many draws because there's an expectation on us to win a lot of these games. So first, we'll take that as a compliment. Secondly, we need to reflect. We need to reflect very very strongly on that because, you know, had we won 50% of those draws, we would have been chapping on the door of Celtic. Um, so, you know, Debbie says, you know, draws in this league now count for nothing. And they, they, they don't, they don't count for anything, you know, it's, but that's why the league is so competitive now because unless it's three points, you know, you're not gaining much. 
How's pieces of going for you so far? Uh, this time around, and Debbie's strengthened the squad, has she? Yeah, absolutely. She has strengthened the squad. She's brought in some some young, talented players um, who've got great ability, great technical ability, um, good intelligence of the game, willing to learn, willing to develop, really nice people as well. And I think that's the most important thing is these these girls call them girls. It's because I'm old. These women have came in, um, and you know they're really showing that they want to be here. You mentioned the word old there. Uh, apologies for that, but uh, you've you've got quite a bit of experience. This uh, is the better <laughs> word. You've got yourself, Alana Marshall, Rachel Harrison, uh, Bev- Bobby Beveridge. No, uh, Bobby retired last. Bobby season. retired. Bobby yeah. retired. You've still got a lot of experience in there, though, which yeah. can help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, like we're all really close friends outside the football. We've known each other for a very, very long time. Um, and one of the things that we pride ourselves on is making sure that new players that come into the team and also the other players, you know, we're senior players. It's our job to make sure that the girls are okay, make sure they're enjoying themselves, make sure that they feel, feel welcome, make sure that everybody's chatting to them um, and, and, you know, making it a, a team we, we want to avoid, you know, kind of divisions and things like that. And I really do feel that this season, you know, the, the togetherness in the dressing room is is probably, like I said, it is, it's probably at its best. Um, yeah, you know, social support is import, import, really, really important within sport. <clears throat> uh, what approach is the team making uh, regards to the season ahead in terms of making a fast start to the league because it's going to be competitive and unless Debbie says every point's important yeah you know making a fast start I guess everybody wants to do that that's what you aim to do that's what pre-season's about it's getting your fitness levels to the best that they can possibly be you know it's Debbie's decision what team that she picks but then it's our responsibility to make sure that we're, we're dynamic and we all gel as a team um, and we work together to make sure that, you know, doesn't matter what players are around you, you can work and you can be diverse and you can adapt. Um, so if we can do all of those things, then, you know, we'll make a fast start. And um, we know that this is going to be really intense. We know that the league is going to go to an even higher level. You know, it's going to be the toughest that it's ever been. You know, but we're prepared for that and we're, we're ready for it. There's a professional structure off the park as well, Spartans, with obviously Debbie involved. You've got Donald Park involved now, who's a big help. Is uh, and Scott Noble still involved, is he? Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah. they all they all play their own part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got a great support. Our the support that we have is second to none. You know, we've got our coaches. We've also got our media support with Amy. We've got uh, Liam, who's doing all the analysis, you know, does a great job. We've got Tony, um, who is our sports therapist. She looks after us. Um, and we've got, you know, there's there's probably more people behind the scenes that we don't actually know. Like even, you know, Margaret, who makes the meals on a Sunday, you know, we've got so much support here. We've got first-class facilities. We've got all that we need to recover as well. We've got ice baths, we've got protein we've got gels everything like you know Debbie and the rest of the staff have provided us with a first class facility and everything that we need to be the best footballers that we can be 
your merger of the SPFL decision there uh, off air, your press officer wasn't sure what kind of, what how I was going to ask this, but uh, yeah, in terms of this, you're just aiming for exposure, and you've you've already got good exposure in terms of the BBC. It's about it's about improving that now, and I think the women's Euros have kind of showcased that women's football is very much on, on the the ladder now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the, the size of the crowds that they're getting um, in the Champions League games. Obviously, down south in the the women's Super League, the women's Euro, like the, the crowd sizes are getting bigger and bigger. You know, they could even go as far to say they're just as big as the men's. You know, the numbers are hitting 50,000 people. Um, and that's globally exceptional for women's football. And we're just trying to do that here. You know, we are a, a, we're a small community club, but we're trying to do the same, but, you know, all relevant to the size of North of Edinburgh. Can we reach out to the rest of Edinburgh? Can we reach out to Lothian and Borders and get people along to watch us? You know, that's, that's kind of what we want to achieve. Okay, can I average at the moment? Yeah, they're decent. I think it depends on who we're playing sometimes. Um, you know, if it's Rangers, Glasgow City, Celtic, you know, maybe a little bit more. The home crowd to be a little bit more. Um, but we do have a really, really good base of support. You know, we've got the the Girls Academy. The girls come and watch us. Their mums and dads come and watch us a lot. We've got, you know, the, the faithful group from our own friends and family that come along. Um and then, you know, the wider community people in the north of Edinburgh that will come along as well. So, you know, those people are the most important people um, because they're, they're the people that kind of follow you everywhere. What, what, sorry, what is the club looking to achieve this season? We're looking to, we're looking to compete at the top. We want to finish um, top six uh, when the split comes. Um, that's our main Aim, um, is to be in one of the top teams, <coughs> one of the top teams, sorry, um, when the split comes and we compete, compete with the teams at the top because we can, we, we know we can, we've got the players, we've got the facility, we've got, you know, everything around about us, like I said before, we've got the support that we need to recover well, to train well, um, so yeah, we're looking to compete with the, the top how much did the team learn from last season? Because you were one of the first clubs to go down the semi-pro route. How much did you just learn from that? Um, I think going down the semi-pro route was to show us moving forward. You know, I got asked this last year, and it's not about money. It's actually to show 100%. it's to show that this club is moving forward with the game. We're not staying stagnant. We're not staying still. We're moving forward, and that's what these semi-pro contracts are about. Um, that's what these extra sessions are about. That's what you know. All the little things like media manager getting media manager in is about. Uh, uh, we've got uh, an anal- anal- analyst as well. That's what all these things are about. Is we're moving forward. We're not staying still. We can't stay still as a club because if we do, we won't find ourselves competing at the top. Because that's the thing. You've been accustomed in the past to. Being the best of the rest between yourselves and the rest of the teams in the league. Yeah. You first sixth in the league last season, but that was with a rejuvenated Aberdeen and obviously the, the top four who have, have bigger resources. Yeah. Um, sorry, say that question again. Aye, sorry. You first sixth last season, but that was with a rejuvenated Aberdeen. 
and Aberdeen side that have risen back after obviously their relegations and in the top four who have bigger resources? Yeah, um, you know, I guess last year maybe we could describe it as a transitional season yeah. um, where we tried different formations. We did get a few new players in trying to, like, you know, change because that's what football's all about. Like, even the most elite teams in the world, they don't stick with the same all of the time. So, um, yeah, do you know... At the end of the day, last season was last season. We put it to bed, it's done, it's dusted. We've learned a lot from it, but we're moving forward and we're moving forward in, in a really, really positive direction. And that's what we're focusing on now, not last season. Okay, thanks very much, Becky. Over to you now, Vinay, for the next part of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Estimate PL1 preview for this season. Hi, it's Vinny here. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by uh, the co-manager of uh, Aberdeen, Gavin Beath. Uh, Gavin, welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Hi Vinny, thank you very much. It's nice to chat with you today. Brilliant. Um, yeah, you were, you were just saying before I hit record there that um, you're, you're off for the rest of the day now. Um, so was there, um, was there some work going on this morning? How, how's it been pre-season? Um, yeah, so we're looking, I've been on the pitch actually all week with my work with the Scottish FA, so we managed, the course finished up a little bit earlier today, so um, yeah, off for the rest of the day, but yeah, pre-season's been really good, um, we've been back for a few weeks now, um, a little bit of comes and goes like most clubs with being on holiday and one and stuff, but we're now back to almost that settled squad, so the, the girls have worked really, really hard, they're putting a real good shift and we're, we're looking reasonably well, there's still a bit to go, we've got the last game against Mentos on Sunday. And then we'll get the last few training sessions next week to prepare the uh, head of the opener against Hamilton. But we're in a good place. We're quite happy with how the squad's looking and where everyone's at. One or two little niggly injuries, but they're starting to clear up and they'll be back training again um, ahead of next week. So, yeah, we're in a good place at this moment in time. Oh, that sounds great. Sounds great. Um, so, Gavin, just to give uh, our listeners a wee bit of background, before you took up the, the, the co-manager role at Aberdeen, you were um, well. You had great success at, at Dundee United. Um, at, were, were you a part of like the formation of that women's team? That's correct. Yeah. So when it, when it first came around, there wasn't a women's section or women's team at Dundee United at that time. So it was it was an area in a role that, that interested me greatly. Hence the reason why I applied for the job and was lucky enough to get it. So I was there for yeah, really five six years and just left at the, the end of um, the last season, the season before. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of really, really good times there. The club have done really well. It's, it's progressed under Graham and as well, and the girls have done a really, really good job. So it's, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing them and SWPL win and competing with them again as we as we go on throughout the season. Yeah, it must be it must be a strange one because you, you you were there for um, you know five six years building up that whole project, and then obviously you you had your successes in terms of the titles that you won there, but the, the Although you were away from the club, there must have been a, a great deal of pride for you seeing them um, succeed in the way that they did last season, uh, the, the way that they, they, they won the title. Um, would, yeah, Was it mixed feelings for you from that point of view? Was there a bit of you wish you'd been there to, to see that part of it through? Um, or were you just very delighted for everyone who, who was involved in it? I think you're just happy to see to see everyone going up. You know, I've put so much time and effort into it over the time that it was there, so ultimately they were always going to get there. It was always going to happen, and it was we wanted it to be a little bit sooner, but it didn't quite happen. So 
you know, I would, I would have been nice to be there and win leagues. It's a fantastic thing to do, and it doesn't come around very often. But it wasn't to be for for myself. But it was great to see the girls and Hardy going building that squad and going taking it on. And they won that league really comfortably last year. They did yeah. really well. So it was just fantastic to see it as a whole, and it's great to see the club now taking that on as well. And the girls in the squad will rightly give what they deserve which will hopefully be a little bit more and they'll start to professionalise things a little bit more and they'll kick back on again so it's another it's another club that's taking things on it's another club that's going to start to to up the ante if you like and it's going to make it for an even competitive league next in league next season which is what everyone wants we want that to be to be the case throughout the league so yeah great great to see them going up still keep in touch with Harry quite a lot we talk on a regular basis still talk to quite a few of the girls that are there after spending so much time with them so yeah it'll be good to it'll be good to cross paths again and only be in the opposing dugout which will be a little bit strange but Time moves on, and you know, I've got to focus on, on Aberdeen and looking after ourselves and making sure that we can do all we can do to be the best we can be and pick up points. And um, I t- tell the truth, when the fixtures came out, did you immediately look for the first Dundee United game? I think it's natural. It's, uh, <laughs> I think 100% doing. I know that, that Harry probably would have been the same. So we've got a little bit down the line. We don't play them till later on in the season. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start out the first few games. It'll be a really good occasion when it comes around for everyone likes him so close to Hardy and talk on a regular basis so we'll get we'll get the first few games out of the way then we'll leave all the bragging rights to be nursed on in the season oh that's brilliant that's brilliant and one thing that you alluded to there was just the uh, the increased professionalism of, of teams like Dundee United I've, I've been following um, the, the women's side of the game um, it was it was really um, you know, since since uh, you know the World Cup and then the European Championships, um, obviously Scotland were involved in them, and you know I've, I've I, I now absolutely love it. You know, the family and I we're part of Thistle fans, so we we go along to the the, the women's games on a Sunday at Peters Hill, and we go to as, as many of the international games as we can. Um, it it in these last maybe five years, it seems like a really really exciting time. There's a lot of good projects happening you've kind of come on that journey from the absolute beginnings of it has there been one thing in particular that you've noticed has, has been a real change over the last five six years I think probably the biggest change is, is probably the media coverage and getting the recognition that the game rightly deserves I think that it's always the game's always been there obviously there's always been a lot of quality within it but maybe it went under the radar a little bit but I think that the media coverage and sponsorship and everything that comes with it it's now grown it's massive and it's in the spotlight and quite rightly so so in turn that obviously starts to clubs start to up the ante to start to do a little bit more to start to make it better because it's more appealing for everyone else you start to get the sponsors on board you start to get television on board so it's out there it's out there so like I say it's always been there through my role with with the SFA and working closely with Sam on our Gibbs and Wims the officer we are well aware of every aspect of the game in Scotland and the female game like I say the numbers have been great but it's grown and it's getting bigger and bigger and it's great from when Scotland qualified for the World Cup a couple of years back that gives a big push as well we've obviously got the Euros going on at this moment in time which is giving a big push as well because it's on the television quite a lot so there's been a lot of things that have happened over the years but I do think that the media coverage has certainly helped but I also think there's a there's potential there is a better product because of the investment that's went into it there's a lot more things it's it's making it more appealing it's making it better the standard is better it is more professional than it's ever been so yeah there's, there's a lot of things that have happened and hopefully it continues to grow and 
keep evolving the way that has because it's a really exciting time like you say and it has increased dramatically over the last few years and it's potentially just to start where does it actually go how much can clubs keep on pushing and where can the game actually end up in years to come so yeah it's an exciting time to be involved in the game and I, th- I think it's really I think it's really cool from your point of view um, Gavin that you're obviously working at it at club level and you're seeing a lot of the academy recruits at your own club but you have that kind of national overview of it as well with your work with the SFA. So it, I think that must be a really interesting thing for you to see it grow, not just from your own perspective and the kind of things that you know you and Emma maybe want to do at Aberdeen, but you, you're seeing it you know all over the country and you're getting a really good overview of it as well. So it's, it's great to hear that you, you're seeing what I'm seeing you know, from, from a layperson's perspective. I see it as a very exciting time and a lot of development, and, and you're seeing that from, from the national perspective as well, which is really cool. I think that's right, and I think that also girls and women's learning offices all across the country, and you can see how passionate all the employees are, and they put so much time and effort into building up, and sometimes you may only see what's at the top, which might be SWPL1, SWPL2, but below that, the grassroots game, and the number of girls that play football is huge. It's massive. It's a massive part of what the Scottish FA do as a whole in terms of trying to get grassroots players developing and coming through as well. So you're right. It's great to see it from a club level, which is the professional level, and doing the best you can to pick up three points and finish up the high leagues you can. But it's also good to step back and you're involved on a almost a daily basis looking at the other side of it, where it's just making sure people fall in love with the game. We're getting coaches prepared to go and come and coach all these young girls that are coming through to ensure that they have the best enjoyable time they have which will keep them in the game and if we continue to do that and grow that there'll be players that will come through year on year which will be great for clubs but also it's going to be great for the country Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's what it comes down to um, and uh, I, I think I've said this in a number of the interviews that I've done but there was a great phrase that went about and it was if, if, uh, if you can't see it, you can't be it and I think you, you're absolutely spot on with a point you made earlier about the media exposure like you know, young kids are, are, are seeing it now. It's like there, there's, you know, there's the, the the English league is free to air on iPlayer every weekend. We've got good Scottish coverage now. The internationals are free to air as well. And obviously, what's happening with the Euros at the moment? I think you know, as as Scots, we're we're, we're maybe there's a bit of us that are a wee bit down that we're not at the tournament and we're seeing how well our our neighbours down south are doing. But there's not the same. From my opinion, anyway, there's not the same animosity there that there is sometimes in the men's game. I'm, I, you know, I watched, you know, as as we're recording this, it's it's the Friday before the the final. I watched the semi final the other night, and you just you couldn't help but admire um, how how well England played and whatnot. So I think it's going to have a big impact, not just in England, but I think Britain as a whole. Um, there'll, there'll be lots of people seeing this now and and realizing that you know, this is something that. I can be interested in something that I can do, which is just brilliant. It's exactly what we're after, isn't it? I think that I'm saying correct, and I think like, the animosity isn't there because I think the female game uh, is United is one because I think England are doing fantastic well, which is great, but that has a knock-on effect to everyone. It's all about inspiring people to play football, inspiring females to play football. So that'll have a knock-on effect in Scotland. Y'all be yes, we're not there, and we'd love to be there, but we're still exposing so many of our girls and females in this area to that game so I think it is something that is slightly different from the male game where yes everybody wants to grow the game everyone wants to be the best they can be but you have maybe a little bit more tension a little bit more rivalry and I'll still be there of course it's in the female game but 
Almost everybody wants what's best for the game and it's grown it to make it the best it possibly can be. And that may be country across country or it could be club across club. Everybody's united and want to go and try and make sure we keep on pushing, pushing, pushing and not raising the back. And if we do that, it will continue to get better. And People and clubs have to start stepping up and have to keep on pushing, pushing, pushing because at this moment in time, the game is only going one way. Yeah. It's only going one way and it's getting bigger and better and stronger. So... Everyone has to keep up with that demand and have to keep on moving with it. But you're right, it has been, it's been a, a great time. There have been so many things that have happened happened over the years. It's been great for Scotland to achieve the World Cup, and that's so great missing out on the Euros. But there's a little setback there. But within that, you can still see the growth within it. The World Cup inspired a lot of people to come and play the game. So now we need to make sure, and I'm sure Pedro and the group will, go on to start to qualify and we'll start to get back again and we'll hopefully make it a regular occurrence where we continue to do that and it inspires them many more females over the course of the years yeah yeah I, th- I think that's it's, oh, I think we've said that a number of times in this conversation alone it is it's just so exciting there's you know the, the sky's the limit at the moment and you're right it's just going from strength to strength so thinking from an Aberdeen perspective obviously you, you came into Aberdeen just the start of uh, last season and it's it's this interesting role of being co-manager so first of all how did that come about and then how, how do you and Emma find that Balance between yourselves? Um, very easy, being honest. I've known Emma for a long time, and first and foremost, she's an incredible person. So, as someone we've got on really, really well, of course, you're going to have little disagreements and difference in opinions, but that's what football's all about. But we compliment, compliment each other really, really well. We've gotten great ever since we've known each other, and we've gotten great, obviously, working a lot closer over the last, the last season. I came around pretty quickly, obviously, left Dundee United, and then within a couple of days I had a little chat with Emma she was just interested in what was going on and we're just sort of having settled obviously being at a club for so long you don't want to go and jump into something right away but I was also aware of that if I wanted to stay in the female game which I did realistically for myself and where I'm based Aberdeen was probably the only club that I could potentially potentially go to to be involved so when it all came around it was Emma Emma, Emma is the manager it's Emma's team so we're in as co-managers but that was more on Emma she thought we should be on a par and we should be have that co-manager title but Emma's the one that's built that squad up Emma's the one that, that has been there from day dot and I'm just in to try and support and lend a hand as well but we got on here really well we're, we're, we work really well together um, as do we do everyone we've got a really good staff we've got Claire Garrett that's in it's also coach we've got Kenny Strachan we staff the goalkeepers we've got Beth that comes in as physio um, Kyle does sports science we've got a lot of good staff members within there as well so we're all in it as one and ultimately one person doesn't make a team so we need to have everyone pulling in the same direction and the, the club have been great the support of our lady behind that has been great so I actually makes life really easy from being honest with you there's a lot of people that are always going to contribute into that club anyway we just have to be in a position where we've got two as opposed to one that are classed as that are classed as managers. So it's great for it's great for us. Emma helps me a lot. I'd like to think help her a lot. And only our job is to make sure we can give as much as we can for the girls to try and help them to perform on a Sunday. So yeah, it's, it's been really, really good and hopefully that'll continue and I'm sure it will continue for, for years to come. Yeah, brilliant. No that that sounds like a really good model. I think you've 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 seen it at, at some clubs in the past and it just there's been a, a sort of uneasy balance about it. I remember from, from my own point of view, um, Derek White and Jerry Britton were, it was like, it was the longest job title in football at the time. They were what caretaker, co-player managers <laughs> at one point. <laughs> at, at Thistle. 
And, you know, it was just, it was a weird thing. It was like, it wasn't even as if one would do all the press and one would do the coaching. They would swap that about and everything. So it was, I, I remember it just being a wee, you know, again, from the outside, it was like, well, who, who's who's in charge? But it sounds as though you guys have got that really, really good team ethos. You're, you're speaking about the physio there and goalkeeping coach and everything. Everyone's as one. So it sounds as though it's a really good model and it, it, it's, it's clearly working for for Aberdeen because you, you see the talent that's coming through um, the, 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 the squad uh, for, for you guys up there and uh, so th- things are obviously working I think that and I think that that's, that's been in place for a period of time I know they went through reconstruction obviously when they dropped down the leagues and Aberdeen Football Club decided to take on and since then they've just went from strength to strength and that goes down to the backing of the board at Aberdeen, everyone's behind the scenes from HR to the media team, never mentioned Mark Gordon, who did a great job for us as well in terms of promoting what we do um, on a regular basis as well. So everyone's in it together and that'll be the same across the board. I don't think I don't think any one individual can, can stand up and make things a success. They can certainly contribute to it, but you need, there's so many different parts of the football club, you need them all to be aligned and all think in the same way and all we want to achieve the same thing and if you have that you have a chance and I certainly think we do have that at the club we've been, been really really impressed in the, the year that I've been up there it's been everyone's been so welcoming there's a really really nice place to be the facilities are excellent and they, they do go above and beyond to try and help so the only problem that we have is we always want more so <laughs> I don't think I believe he likes that at times when we're always demanding and asking more but again the growth and what we want will come from us performance so yes there's been an investment, yes, we get what we want, but at the same time to push it, we need to make sure we're performing now. So we had a good season last season and finishing fifth, but now the pressure's on, there's been huge investment across the whole game. So now the ante's going to be lifted again, levels are going to be lifted again, so hopefully we can step up to the mark and continue to improve and and progress. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really important point and you you see the signings that have come in, You've, you've seen how you know, so many teams have, have turned professional or semi-professional now. You've got a handful of, of professional players in, in their squads. You know, that's that's happening on an increasing basis. Um, and I know, and again, I was, I was speaking to uh, another interviewee about this. Um, being a Thistle fan, I was, um, you know, in and around the, the, the club and whatnot. So I know that they're, they're, they're remaining part-time, but even they've stepped up from two to three nights training now, so they realise that hold on, there's there's, a, there's the, everyone's standards are going up. So even as the part time teams, they're having to up the ante as well. So there's there's a lot of expectation. I think Aberdeen, considering just coming up, getting into that that top half last year was 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 brilliant. So is that the aspiration for this year? Is it is it that top six again? Um, or is it a bit of consolidation to see how everything pans out? Because obviously the, the league is going to be stronger this year. So what, what are what are your intentions for, for Aberdeen this season? I think it absolutely has to be to go and try and finish in that top six. And I'm pretty sure that will be the same for most of the clubs that are within the league. Yeah. I think you need to have that. So there has been a lot of investment. Celtic Rangers, Glasgow City Hibs, they can speak. They've always been there and had that investment. Hearts are now heavily invested as well. So there's a lot of other clubs that have done the same as well. Not to the same extent, but there is a lot of investments going across the board. And it is great. And it's, we've had this chat with Emma recently. It could be that we could actually have I think a lot of the games last season we, we did well in terms of our point totals but I think at times we were sometimes disappointed with the performance levels in terms of how we went about the games and how we performed and it could be this season where we really like the balance of the squad 
and added seven or eight players into it who have brought a bit of quality into the squad as well. So we're excited about that. So it could be we might actually be more pleasing on the eye and we'll play better and we'll get better performances. But only because the league's stronger and there's more players, better players coming into the league and teams are getting stronger. It may actually be harder to stay in that same position. So it's it's a weird one to think about going into it. But only I think I think we know in, with the squad that we have and the players that we have, if we can perform consistently well on a weekly basis or keeping it going over a period of time there's, there's no reason why we can't be going finishing top six but we're also well aware of if we don't you could be right to another end of the table because it is so competitive and we've seen that last year in the games that we played you, you can win any game and you can lose any game yeah. it's hard you can pick up points against the top teams it's always going to be really difficult you need a lot of things to go your way but always kind of think about it in our league and that'd be the teams that with the big guns at the top you can win any game but you can only lose it by two or three goals as well at any time so we need to be on our guard and we'll always focus on ourselves first and foremost and that, that won't change any. We'll make sure we're as prepared as we can be. We'll set ourselves up to give ourselves the best chance we possibly can to go and pick up points in every single game that we're playing. If we do that, hopefully we'll have another part of the season. If not, then it's just going to be learning. Why did that not happen? And we'll go back to the drawing board and the exit again. But at this moment in time, it is purely focused on can we be a top six team? That's where we want to be and that's what we'll be aiming to try and achieve. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, listen, I think that's a good place to leave it, Gavin. Um, I thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting just to get that insight to, to everything that's going on at Aberdeen and uh, just hearing about your, uh, your your aspirations for the for the coming season. Uh, so thank you very much for that, Gavin. And um, yeah, hopefully things go well for Aberdeen this season, but hopefully this will finish above you somehow. <laughs> I was waiting to say thank you very much for your time, but you've just spoiled the good with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll hopefully cross paths at Peter Hill at some point as well, and hopefully this will have a good season, but Aberdeen's just slightly better. I'll let you away with that. <laughs> right, okay, thank you very much, Gavin. Cheers. See you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Benny. Um, now we are. Um we get the viewpoint from Hibernian um, Women's FC and uh, the season head for them. And I'm, joined to be, I'm delighted to be joined by their manager, Dean Gibson. Dean, welcome to the SFF podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just a uh, busy period uh, this time of year. So, yeah, just getting, getting ready for the season. But but we're all good. So, ready to go. Yeah, definitely. We'll also come on to um, how busy your summer's been. But, um, you know, just um, you've obviously been the manager of the club since uh, 2020, um, replacing a, a good manager in Grant Scott, who did very well winning a few trophies and a couple of runners up in the league, unfortunately, for you guys. But um, what was um, how has the um, progression been for you in terms of jumping into the manager's position and to follow in his footsteps? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, Grant's a good manager and, and Scott at City was a good manager as well, but I don't really see it that way because the league trade, the league kind of whole setup changed drastically after that period. Um, me coming in the season before, it was very much an amateur setup, and then um, obviously it kind of transitioned that year into a more full time or trying to compete against full time environments. So, yeah, I didn't really see it. It was a completely different environment um, from a club perspective and a competitor um, perspective as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was it was similar. I mean, if the league was the exact same as it was pre-me coming in, then, yeah, you would say you were you were jumping in that. But uh, it completely changed uh, when when certain teams made certain movements. So it became a lot more challenging. It definitely, definitely has. And, um, I mean, you've, you've still done well to finish, um, you know, fourth the last couple of um, seasons. But um, I'm guessing... 
being 14 clear of Aberdeen and being 17 behind third place Celtic probably has um, as a as a reflection as, as to where the club were at that point last season. The challenge of getting close to that top three, but also being a good bit away from everyone else, as it turned out. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think for me, if you if you look at the results in regards to the teams below us, we were always not always, but we were pretty comfortable in a lot of the games. Whereas if you ask the teams above us when they played us, very rarely were they comfortable in their games. So, yeah, it might look that way in points in terms of the points total because we struggled to kind of get over the line and, and turn a loss into a draw or a draw into a win at times. But the games were, were very, very tight. It was only really the last round of fixtures when we were really struggling with injuries and stuff. Um, we went down to 12 players at one point and we had a lot of injuries. Uh, that we, we went to Rangers, we lost the game 5-0. But like I say, we, we had one sub on the bench that day and it was a goalkeeper um, and one outfield player who was 16 years old. Um, so it was the last round of fixtures, we kind of suffered a little bit against Rangers and Celtic, but just due to, to that, but then you've seen the last game of the season, we had every player fit. The season ended at the wrong time. And then Drew was sitting 0-0 and probably deserved to win the game. So I think for us, it was a hard season in regards to... We, we, we suffered a lot of injuries and we weren't really a team that could sort of withstand the, the volume injuries that we had. So, yeah, I mean, we were we were very competitive last year. And, um, yeah, I reckon maybe two or three of the games against the teams above us, we probably deserved more out of. Um, but... It is what it is, and we just need to try and progress this year. Yeah, and it also didn't help that um, the fact that arguably your best player um, for the first half of last season, Rachel Boyle, fell pregnant, and you've been without her since what yeah. February. I mean, obviously, good luck to her in um, having them, um, you know, her second child. But you know, from your point of view, it must have come at a really bad time. Yeah, and you, you, listen, you can't you can't plan for these things. Um, it's it's one of these things, and. I would rather lose a player to pregnancy than long-term injury because it's a great story. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same outcome as a football club. You lose the player, but at least there's a, there's a happy ending at the end of that one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, it's not just Rachel's ability. It's an experience around the group, what she kind of brings that way. She's a full Scotland international. And in my opinion, uh, Rachel's the best player in the, in the league, um, I think. And I stand by that. And I would argue that case with anyone that, that Rachel... Is, is highly thought of and um, yeah so when we finally get her on the pitch again this season or it might be the next half of the year or the, the turn of the year I'm not too sure when that'll be um, it'll be an, a, a huge added bonus to her so where we lost her last January we might get her back this January so it might kind of make up for it well, let's also because um, she's also trying to um, hopefully get a place in the Scotland squad if they get into the World Cup next year because she obviously missed yeah. two major tournaments due to her last pregnancy and stuff. So um, let's yeah. hope um, she gets back in time. But from your point of view, it'd also be better that she was on the pitch for you guys first. Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, like I said, just, uh, our ability and our talent speaks for itself. But it's experience that comes with that. Um, you, you can sign a lot of talented players that are young kids and um, they'll, they'll do the job from a football perspective. But when you add the experience to the talent, it's, uh, it's, it's night and day. So, yeah, getting when we finally get Rachel back on the pitch, it'll be, um, it'll be a much added boost. But until then, we hope that the remainder of their pregnancy goes well and, and she, the baby's healthy and she's healthy because at the moment, that's the most important thing. Yeah, she um, she's a former guest of the show, so good luck to Rachel with um, the pregnancy and um, hope it's a nice, um, smooth one for her. Um, 
as, as you mentioned, um, there's obviously you're up against three full-time teams in Glasgow, the three Glasgow um, main ones, uh, City, Rangers and Celtic, of course. Um, you know, and given the fact that you were the main competitors to Glasgow City for a while and before um, you came in in 2020, how difficult is it now becoming being up against those sides knowing that they've got the resources and they've also taken um, a couple of your players so far? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, listen, we're in the same position now in terms of full-time status, we're just not in the same position of finance. So, um, in terms of training hours and what we're now doing on the pitch is the exact same. Uh, we're, we're, we're now a full-time team. So, that element adds to, or certainly helps, but we have to be realistic that we're only going into our first year of this model where they've now been in it for maybe three, four seasons, maybe City five. Um, I'm not too sure when City done it. So, so yeah, so we're certainly hoping that over the next year, two years, um, that, that we can close that gap and then see where we're at in the year three, year four of this model. So, yeah, I think this year certainly will help from a, a perspective of planning for the games and um, put us in a better kind of position to, to go and get three points now on a Sunday. And I think for us, we, we'll always expect the Hibs to go and compete. We don't expect to win the league, but we expect to compete. And there's, there's a huge difference there. So we, we want to turn the top three into a top four. We want to make it more competitive. Um, and that's where we're aiming this year. We're, we're not going to sit here and say, look, we're going to go and win the league or we're going to go and win the both cups. But what we're saying is, let's turn our top three into a top four. And I'm pretty sure Parts will be the same, saying the same thing. Aberdeen's part, they'll all be saying the exact same thing as us, but we can only concentrate on ourselves and we can make sure that we do that. And, and I'm pretty sure that we're in a good place now to, to do it. And how are the girls coping with um, the transition of moving full time, um, having been what amateur semi pro? So instead of training like two or three nights a week at most, they're now going into full um, four or five days a week. Yeah, I mean they, they they've adapted to it really well. Um, a lot of them have played national football, whether it be 19s or whether it be A squad. So they know what going away in a full time week looks like. So it's it's not that new to a lot of them. The only thing it's new to them is now doing it every single week. So they kind of knew what to expect from from that avenue. Um, and then it, it's just a case of um, them now adapting from doing it once every couple of months to to doing it every single week in the season. So. Yeah, they've, they've loved it, they've enjoyed it, and the, the club are brilliant. Obviously, we, we train at the Hibernian Training Centre, we're looked after by all the staff up there, the chefs, the, the player care, the medical side, um, the analysis team. So everything's fully integrated in, in the club, and <clears throat> everyone's doing their bit to, to, to support and, and make sure that we're ready for games. So the players are absolutely loving it, and I'm sure it's only going to get better the more we get used to it, because right now we're still finding our feet a little bit. I'll give it another month or two. We'll, we'll be we'll be fully into a routine and, and and moving. Yeah, and obviously you've had a bit of a transitional summer because, um, for what I could read, six players have gone, including three to what um went to Celtic, went to Rangers, went to um City, as we mentioned before. But seven player new faces have come in. A few um overseas players have come in um as part of that. How have they all been settling in, and um, how's the pre season in general been going for Hibs? Yeah, well, obviously we lost the three. Um, we we were expecting to lose two of them, um, and so we, we are planning and prepared for that anyway. Um, where they went to was none of our business. I wasn't really interested in that. Whether they go to a competitor, whether they don't, that's not for me to decide. So for me, I don't. When they leave the club, obviously we wish them well and we want them 
to be happy and healthy. But from a football perspective, it's, it's not my business now. So from where they goes up to them. But what was important was I planned and prepared to, to bring players into the club that I feel can ultimately do, try and do a better job, if not the same job, because finishing fourth that many points behind third is not good enough. So what we need to try and do is close that gap. So it kind of, I've had a lot of time to plan and prepare to, to get these sort of players um, recruited that we wanted to recruit. And um, yeah, the, unfortunately, what's kind of held us back this pre-season is visas and work permit issues. Um, but we've not got all of them in the door as of yet, but we're, we're confident in getting them all in before the Celtic game because uh, we're quite far down the line now uh, in getting them in. So, yeah, it's it's one of the ones that if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we've still got a competitive squad there to go and compete the first day of the season. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to think out of the signings, we'll, we'll, get, they'll all be here by uh, going into the Celtic game. Yeah, um, he would need players in before he faced the side like Celtic, and obviously cup double winners last season. And the last time you um, played Celtic away from home, you lost the game 4-0. Um, albeit that was at Celtic Park in front of, um, what was it, 34,000, uh, which was obviously great for the game, but not great from your perspective, losing the game 4-0. Um, how confident are you that you'll give them a much better game this time around? Yeah, I mean, we can look at that one, or we can look at the one before when we drew the game, or the one before that where we, we, were, we went... Uh, one nil up, or we, we played Celtic a lot last season. That one at Parkhead fell in sort of that last round of fixtures when we were toiling um, for injuries, and and listen, Celtic had players missing that day as well. There's no getting away from that. But their squad was more set to have held in or, or kind of stand up to the sort of uh, setbacks. Ours wasn't. Um, but yeah, I think Celtic, our games with Celtic for the last two seasons have probably been the best games in the league. I think the most exciting, the most entertaining. Um, and I think that the, from a neutral point of view, that they've probably been enjoyable games to watch. They're end to end. There's been comebacks. There's been spectacular goals. There's been bad challenges. There's been good play. There's been a bit of everything in their games. And both teams really just go at each other and, and try and win it. Unfortunately for us, Celtic beat us a couple of times last year. One game finished a draw, and then obviously the one at Parkhead was a little bit uh, a wider margin. But when we've been at full strength and, and going at them and they've been going at us, the games have been very, very tight. So when you start the season off, hopefully we've got a full squad there that it'll be another competitive game. But hopefully this time we can come out on the, the right side of it. Yeah, it certainly should be an interesting open day. I, I would imagine Alba might, um, uh, or BBC Scotland might pick that up online. Um, they've obviously still announced that. Um, one of the other big um, highlights that you had last season was a couple of um, matches against Hearts where um, Easter Road was used and it was a record crowd for a Scottish club game um, and then Tynecastle was used for a reverse fixture you win both games of course um, you know how much would you love to see those records even broken this season um, and more people come to watch Hibs um, play I understand you're playing at Meadowbank this season not um, Ainsley Sorry I've lost you I think um, no, I was, I was, I was just saying, Nadine, that um, one of the um, one of the highlights of last season would have been um, you had two uh, two games against Hearts played in front of um, pretty big crowds. Um, there was a record crowd at Easter Road for the um, for that for that fixture. You won the game three 0 and then there was a similar kind of crowd at Tyne Castle. You know, it'd be good if um, that those records could be broken this season, and even more so, more people come along to your games when you're playing. I understand it's at Meadowbank Stadium this year rather than um, Livingston that you're playing at. Yeah, so we're, we're home games. We're back in Edinburgh, which um, when, you, when you stand at Meadowbank, you can actually see the top of Easter Road, so it's an ideal location for us. 
Um, but we're a stone's throw now from the stadium, which is perfect for building a fan base. When we moved to Livingston, there was a lot of backlash from fans that were, were complaining, and I understand why, because we were moving out to Edinburgh, but we had to hit certain criteria within the league, and there was no stadiums within Edinburgh that, that would have allowed us to do that. So hopefully we can grow the fan base now, because we certainly had more opinions than, than spectators last season, so the ones that were moaning about us moving out to Edinburgh hopefully can come and support us now on a, on a weekly basis, because we are, yeah, like I say, we're a, we're a stone's throw away from... Um, from Easter Road but then yeah we, we want to break the Edinburgh Derby record again um, as far as I'm aware the, the two derbies Easter Road and Tynecastle will be played at eh, sorry the, the two derbies Hibs and Hearts will be played at Easter Road and Tynecastle um, that's what we're led to believe so yeah there's hopefully we can go on and, and break the records um, again and, and, and I'm pretty sure we can I think that the night at Easter Road was Special. It was a special, special night to have the full stand full um, and to come out on top of a win made it that little bit sweeter. And then to go to Tyne Castle um, and do the same thing was was brilliant. So yeah, I mean the the, the good thing about the 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 Tyne Castle game was nice because we also had a thousand Hibs fans here supporting us. We 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 shifted a thousand tickets for that game and uh, they turned up the number. So it was it was brilliant and it's something that we we want to go and do again this year and replicate that and, and I hope both teams can break the attendance like if we hold it first and break it again and then Hearts hold it second and they break it then that's brilliant because that means the players are playing in front of a big crowd so fingers crossed that we can both break that record this season again and um, we can we can continue to add to the attendances of Scottish women's football Yeah that would yeah. be brilliant I know that um, one of the I think they've got a Derby Day weekend on the um, during the World Cup when the um, Scottish um Premiership are also breaking for that World Cup, so I think there's a good opportunity for people to come along. Because let's be honest, who wants to watch the World Cup in Qatar anyway? Go see women's football; that will be much better than the football <laughs> in Qatar. Um, and final question: um, So, what's some of the main aims for Hibs for this season? Um, I take it the um, the main aim is just to try and push as close to top three as possible. Yeah, like I say, we want to turn it into a top four, and like I know a lot of people will always say the top three and best of the rest. I don't look at that way. We want to go and win the league, whether we win the league or not is a different story. But we'll certainly be trying. And I'm not, a t- I'm not someone that will set an aim for second best. Now people might say I'm unrealistic. Call me unrealistic. That's fine. But if we're aiming for first, we might come second. If we aim just to finish fourth, then we might come fifth. So. Um, yeah, our standards at Hibs will be to go and compete. We've got enough resources around us to allow us to have a good shot at that. Now, we have to be realistic within our budgets to say, right, we're not expected to win the league and if we don't win the league, it's not a disaster. But there'll certainly be pressures on on us from coaches to the players. The players will put the pressures on themselves that we need to go out and, and try and win every game regardless of who we're playing. So, for us, it's, it's a new squad. There's going to be a lot of... There's a big transition there. And I feel like that, for me, that's I've always been in a transition period since I've been in this role. The first year was transitioning into this new kind of environment of what Scottish football, women's football was. The second year was then transitioning the squad and now we're kind of starting again because we've now gone into this full-time model that we're kind of have to transition again. So but I feel like we've always been in a transition my time at the club every year, but we're now in the best transition we could because there's nowhere else for us to go now. So this is really the start of, of Hibs women kicking back on and, and trying their best to, to reach the top of, of women's football again. And if we can do that, great. If we don't, then it's not the end of the world. But we certainly expect to be in the mix this year. And and, and like I say, turning that into a, a top four is, is what we need to do. 
Exactly, and um, it's always good to say, hi Dean, and um, all the best for your ambitions for the season. Um, we now hand you over to David for the next part of this show. Okay, good afternoon. We are live on the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Not actually live right now, but uh, live on the podcast when the adventure comes out with uh, Chloe Nicholson, the goalkeeper for Hamilton Ackes, and Bobby Watson, assistant manager of Hamilton Ackes. Chloe, first and foremost for yourself, signed permanently at Hamilton, and uh, it's an exciting move for yourself. Yeah, um, I'm really excited because I think the main part for me personally in my career right now is to get game time. And that is something that I will get at Hamilton. For you, for yourself, it's about pushing yourself on. It's about getting game time. And it's about testing yourself in an environment such as the SWPL one. Yeah, so I think obviously Hamilton being a bit of a team that's not as quite Rangers to Celtic yet, I think I'll get that good challenge where getting the game time, I'll improve more and more throughout the seasons to come. What was your reflections the last season, Chloe? I think last season we played very, very well. We weren't like getting hammered by teams, but personally me, I was quite unlucky. I got injured, but I was always on the sideline supporting the team and by watching, they all done very well. Yeah. Pushed through, didn't give up. When you look at last season, you probably learned a lot as a team, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. I think last season, obviously being the first season in SWPL1, it was more like a like a learning kind of season and we took loads on, worked really hard in training and kind of taking what we'd done last season to this season to help us improve even more. Uh, how has pre-season gone for you so far, Chloe? Um, pre-season so far is going well for me. I mean, this is only my first week back so I only came down last Saturday from home in the Isle of Lewis. So the first week training has been really good. It's been tough because I've not been training at home as much, but it's been good and I have been pushing on a lot. Yeah. Well, sure we've been, making sure we've been firing footballs at her all yeah. this week. She's not had a minute, so it's just... <laughs> Absolutely. I know, definitely. That's how it should be. What was, you, what was you doing when you were at home? Um. Well, at home, there's not really much training, so majority of the stuff was my own stuff. So I was just getting a ball in the garden, kicking about and going out for runs and... Jamie, the goalkeeper coach, had given me a programme which I followed. So that included like running, upper body strength, lower body strength, core, and just kind of wee stuff like that to keep me going till I came back down. What's the kind of goalkeeping situation at Hamilton? Um, so, yeah, so we've got, obviously, we've, we had Chloe on loan last year. And like she said there, she was, we brought her in with intentions of Chloe playing the season. She got, Concussion against Glasgow City yeah. and then got a thigh strain. So we were in a position, we had the opportunity to sign Jenny Curry at the time, uh, obviously ex-Hibs goalkeeper. And Jenny, you know, she played really well on her debut and it was one of those, it was Chloe was probably a little bit unlucky and from that point of view, where Chloe, uh, Jenny came in and did so well that she we couldn't, you know, she was, it wasn't a position to drop her, she was playing that well. But obviously through playing well, Jenny managed to get a transfer to Seagull Swifts in Northern Ireland, oh, which she is at the moment. So Chloe came back in and uh, obviously we had a big one at Fur Park in the Lanarkshire Derby where Chloe played played very, very well. was one of our best players on the day, kept a clean sheet. Uh, and then obviously Rangers with their run-in, Rangers recalled her. So probably a little bit unlucky last season, Chloe. Uh, but, you know, we're 
we're delighted to have signed her over the over the postseason, get her in. And we've of course we've still got Sarah Ryan to very experienced goalkeeper. Uh, obviously had a spell at Aberdeen actually as well a few years ago and has played around the lower leagues for a long time and was kind of the starting goalkeeper for the majority of that short season for us to get promoted back to the top league and play games last year. So, you know, we've got that nice mix of real experience and real talented youth goalkeeper coming through. And at the moment, they're, they're, a, good, they're a good training partners. And we've got a, a good goalkeeper coming through our under-19s and under-16s as well. So we've got kind of four goalkeepers and a couple we've got, obviously we've got high hopes for Chloe at that stage of our career. And we've got high hopes for the goalkeepers below even her as well. Yeah, absolutely. Back on to you, Chloe, uh, very briefly. Uh, you played against Mavos, Bobby alluded uh, to there. Um, you must have got a lot of confidence from that performance of Fair Park, and especially at that magnitude of the game because of the, the ground it was at. Yeah, definitely. That was a massive confidence boost, obviously being injured. I kind of lost a bit of confidence throughout that. But playing in that game, keeping a clean sheet, because it was such a big game for us as well, so we needed to win it, and especially at their first time playing at their stadium, to keep a clean sheet against them was really good. Um, it wasn't a really an easy game either. Like They were pushing, they were fighting to get the win. But I think as a team as a whole, like from goalkeeper right through to the strikers, we all work well to get the win. Bobby, I'm going to go to yourself now. See that uh, Marvel victory last season, was that... A- is that a, a, a springboard into what you were capable of? Because he's he's had a lot of inconsistency last season, if that's put it fair, and he, he enjoyed that victory. That was a, a real positive for you. I think that uh, it's interesting. I think when you look at our games last year, I think there was 17 games last year were set, we were involved in that were settled by a goal or were a draw. So that's the majority. That's more than half the season. We played 27 league games last year. So it shows to me that we're competitive, we're, we're in games, but we haven't we haven't maybe shown enough at certain points in certain games to go and get the first goal or hold on to a lead. You know, that, that was probably our biggest thing. And that was the game where, especially first half against Motherwell, we weathered a bit of a storm. Chloe, Chloe made a, couple, a really good 1v1 save. And it was, you know, we saw there was a little bit of a smash and grab, if I'm honest, but the games previously in the season we'd lost that type of game, although we'd hung in, and actually there were plenty of games where we played much better. We're probably the better team over the over the period, but it actually lost the game. But immediately after that, we, we then drew two each with Hibs, and a game we probably should have won. We, you know, we lost a very very late goal. So I think the that was probably a catalyst of everything coming together more than the catalyst to springboard us forwards. Uh, but you know, we're you know we are speaking with Gary, the manager, earlier on today, and we're just looking at. You know, looking at teams, we you know it's got to be a sort of mini a mini league between the teams. Can we get more points against, especially teams that are going to be around about us than they get against us? Uh, and we, we're going to have that mentality this year of we've got to we've got to win more games. We didn't win enough games last year. It's, it's that's the bottom line, uh, and that starts with Aberdeen, and and we're completely targeting a win in that first match. And that will be our mentality this season. It's not we're we're just up and we're here for the party. It's nothing like that. It's, we want to stay in the division. We want to progress up the table as well. I think it's exciting <laughs> this year, Bobby. Yes, there'll be too many leagues as there always is. But I think it's exciting in the sense that you've got the top four, top five, whatever you want to, to look at. It. 
you've also got the teams such as yourself, and you're looking to pose your your own impetus against teams such as Dungeons, Glasgow Women's, uh, Aberdeen, to even to an extent, Spartans, even Hibs, to push as well. Yeah, I think as a club, we've never finished higher than seventh in the Premier in the top division in all in our history. You know, so we were in the top flight for a, a number of years. Seventh was our sort of, you know, it'd be great to do more than that, but we've also got to be realistic. That's an enormous point swing to get into that top half. Uh, you look at the investment that other teams are making that we, at the moment, we don't have that. We, it's going to be difficult, but at the same time, that's also not an, ex- an excuse. You know, we've got to find a way to compete in 90 minutes against Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City, Motherwell, Harps, Hibs, who are all putting Spartans, who are all putting decent amount of money. It's up to us to find a way and a game plan to deal with that. I think we've made a couple of good signings with, obviously, with Chloe, Morgan Hay, Ailey Martin, both coming in as well. Summer Christie's come in this week. We're not, we're not quite finished. Hopefully, we're hoping to add another one or two uh, over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, have and have that real kind of depth of squad to be able to go and deal with a more difficult schedule and teams that are trying to improve around about us as well. As a football club, Bobby, because you're very much involved in Hamilton Arcades, both on and off the park, of course. What's the SPFL merge? What benefits is it going to bring to the club? Obviously, the exposure's there, but anything else? I think that the big thing is it's obviously it's the exposure and it helps tie, helps tie the clubs even closer together. We have a really, really good working we have a really, really good affiliation and we work really, really well together. Obviously, we're still waiting on details and things like commercial deal, prize money, what that means. You know, we're very much like, you know, the male half of the club where we have, we maybe don't have the most money in the world, but we've got, we do everything we can to make sure that goes as far as we can. And I think over the last few years with the women's team, I think we've seen that, you know, We've been a little bit up and down, but we've always been in the mix. We've always been in the mix when we've been in the division below, come up twice, finished second. And when we've been in the top fight, we've, you know, even the year we get relegated, it went to pretty near the end. We were within things. So, you know, we've been good at making, taking what we've got and taking it as far as we possibly can. And hopefully with this new, with the new SPFL thing, that gives us a little bit more and I'm very confident that with a little bit more resource and things, we can do even better uh, because we've been used to working with limited resources as it is. You play out the opening game of the season as you alluded to there, Bobby. Uh, that's going to be a good one for you because they're a squad with experience, but also, they're also a squad that's fielded in young players. Yeah, I think that we know quite a lot about each other. Uh, you know, all games last year at Settled by a goal, we we feel we really should have won the third game, uh, the two one game, uh, and even the first game was probably probably could have ended in a draw. I think Aberdeen probably deserved to win, you know, edge the game when it was down here. So it could have easily been the other way, other way, other way around, and the points could have been split between us. But again, that's just talking about those fine margins. We've got to find a way to take those those slight, you know, slight defeats into a, at least a draw and those draws into wins. You know, that's our big thing. And if we managed to do that, match our away form with our, you know, we were decent, we were okay away from home. We picked up most of our points on the road. If we can replicate that at home, then we'll be in a really, really good place. Uh, but yeah, very much looking forward to it there. You know, I think Aberdeen's location's a bit of a blessing and a curse. 
maybe a bit more difficult to sign players, but at the same time, they also don't really lose players. They've, you know, with the exception of Kelly Forrest, they've probably kept all their key players, which is their strength, you know, that that core group that have been together for a long time and a bit of experience with a Lauren Campbell, you know, or something like that. So, yeah, looking forward to it. You know, they'll be saying the thing. They probably look at us as a winnable game and we are definitely looking at them as a winnable game. Okay. Thanks very much to Coy Nicholson and Bobby Watson. Much appreciated. Over to you, Vinny, for the rest of the Scottish Football Forum's uh, podcast preview for the season ahead. Hi, it's Vinny here. Um, delighted to be joined by uh, Leanne Crichton um, of Motherwell uh, Women's Football Club. Uh, Leanne, uh, welcome to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast. Thanks very much. Cheers for having me on. Uh, really, really appreciate um, you taking the, the, the time out to speak to us. Um, <laughs> totally appreciate how, how heavy your schedule is these days between playing, coaching and all your media duties and things like that. So it's, it's very much appreciated. Yeah, no, no worries at all. Yeah, it's busy, but it's, as long as you're on top of it and you're kind of planning ahead and every day does look pretty different at times. But I'm enjoying every aspect of it, which is probably the most important part. Yeah, that, that, I think that's it. Well, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. If you, uh, if, if you enjoy what you're doing, then uh, that, that's half the battle, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's what um, someone once told me, that if you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a, a day in your life. So it kind of feels <laughs> like that just now, as much as... Every day can be busy and true on uh, early starts and late finishes and you're perhaps multitasking a, a lot of the time to make sure that you're prepared. But, you know, every job's different. You could be on the pitch coaching, then you could be on sports scene the next day or out at a live match doing co commentary and uh, on top of that I'm finishing my degree this summer as well. So my broadcasting and journalism degree finishes in August. So just trying to get the final pieces of the puzzle put together with that as well. Um well, you know, the, the forward plan and part always helps and um, certainly having the motivation when you enjoy it, it is half the battle. Wow, that's that's brilliant. I didn't realise you were doing a degree as well, <laughs> just to throw into the mix. Uh, good for you, well done. <laughs> I know, I know. A two-year two fast track, which effectively means that four years' worth of um, academic work is chucked into two, which I think there's a silver lining to that because it, it does make it a shorter process, but certainly it's been an intense couple of years. Uh, yeah, it sounds it sounds it it sounds it. Wow. So, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start, Leanne, just by asking you. Obviously, you've had that that long and illustrious um, playing career. So, I'm going to just jump in because we, we kind of want to keep the focus on the, the the current setup. So, how how did the move into coaching come about? Was that something you intended to do when you were younger, anyway? It probably wasn't something that I had overly considered. I think. Yeah, back in 2017, there was a group of us that were part of the women's national team that had an opportunity to go on the B licence, which is, was a bespoke course for women, um, as they were trying to obviously raise the, the initiative and um, the participation effectively of more female coaches. So we had the opportunity to do that. So it seemed like a good time just to almost begin to open some doors. Um, and got on that course and, and started to look at it but I think when you play and any player will tell you that you're very much consumed by the playing side of the game um, so, so you're kind of focused on that but I think always as you get older in your career as well you start to look at coaches and managers who perhaps dissect what they do a little bit more than you would have as a younger player um, so I think over that kind of next three or four years from my B licence I then thought you know I think I could probably offer something to the game um, so I had to get on the licence just at the beginning of lockdown 
um, because the delivery was over Zoom. And again, when your schedule is so busy, I played it's really tough to actually go on to some of these courses because mm-hmm. they're, they're not really designed for slow players when it um, it comes to managing your schedule and, and games and matches and training times and whatnot. So it kind of it almost felt like it was a good opportunity to, to go on it and um, at least get the ball rolling with it. And I actually never thought to a point that I would really enjoy coaching as such. Um, I don't know why, because I do love the game, but I was never under the uh, assumption that just because you played the game, you enjoyed the game, that you would actually enjoy coaching it and deliver it in that different element. So um, last summer, Paul Brownlee had approached me just to say that he was taking the Motherwell job. Uh, and he was really keen for me to come on board, uh, both in a, a playing capacity and as an assistant coach. And I kind of hummed and hawed about it, probably for a, a bit of time, because it was a huge decision to leave um, Glasgow City. But mm-hmm. the way that season had played out, I almost felt like it was coming to a natural end anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, my playing role had probably changed a little bit, and the team dynamic had changed. Um, the club and, and their style and probably the way the future was going to look in terms of it being that professional environment I was getting to the point where work for me was, was just as important and life beyond football um, so yeah it was a reset button last summer and I, I obviously made the decision to move and you know it's one that I'm absolutely glad that I did make that decision because you know, I've lost every minute of it Oh that's brilliant, that's great um, and then obviously you were saying about heavy schedules and, and planning and everything like that, that that move into coaching has kind of coincided a lot. I'm thinking of the timings. I'm, I'm trying to think the first time you kind of appeared on telly as a pundit. And uh, yeah, I suppose... Probably it, off, yeah. yeah, probably off the back of 2017, I think, after the Euros, was, yeah. um, when I started to do a bit more work with the BBC. Yeah, so I, that's that's obviously evolved as well because there was just a wee bit of punditry and then obviously you're, you're starting to head up programmes now and, and things like that, which is just incredible. And like you said, you're, you're doing your, your degree alongside it. So I'm curious to know, see from that aspect, as, us as, um, you know, as, as lay people, as, as viewers, what are the kind of challenges that, that you might face when you're doing like a live broadcast or, or, or something like that? Or is, is there a particular part of it that you really enjoy that you didn't expect to? nervousness at times the butterflies in the, the tummy as soon as anybody says to you you know 20 rolling on here um, you, you automatically become really aware of cameras and everything that's going on around you so I think in the beginning it probably took a little bit of time just to get used to that environment you know just a changing in environment I think in a football capacity you're, you're very comfortable you know the people around you Broadcast is, is the same in the sense you're speaking about football. It's the one thing that I love and you know that I've got a real passion for, and I think I'm comfortable speaking about it. But it's just a different environment at times, so it took a bit of, of getting used to. And I'm probably at a point now where I feel comfortable with the cameras. I feel comfortable on radio. Um, I've got to know the people that I work with, which really helps. So I've got a good rapport with many of the, the staff that work alongside me. And it's, again, I enjoy it now. You know, in the beginning you probably thought, could there be a career in this? Could you feel this nervous all the time and actually be <laughs> at a point where you go to your work and love it? Um, but I think I've got to that stage now and, you know, it's been a work in progress. The, the, the degree certainly helped. I've had a lot of experiences. I've had to put myself out there and take myself out of my comfort zone to 
learn more about myself as well and what it was going to take to actually, you know, have legs in that type of job. So, um, no, it's been an eventful probably five or six years, I would need to say, since the, the Euros and the transformation of the women's game on the pitch, then the kind of transformation of it off it. Well, there is more female pundits, there's more mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, I've definitely had the best of both worlds. You know, coming into the game as a young player where I started and the opportunities were very, you know, slim um, to where it is now. You know, we've just watched England win a, a, a Euros in their own country. Yeah. Um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, th- I think it's fascinating. Your timing of like moving into punditry and everything like that has has coincided with I think people just starting to be more a- more aware of 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 the women's game in Scotland as well. I know for myself, like it was it was the Euros and it was the the subsequent World Cup where I really started paying attention to the the the, the women's national team and started going along to. You know all the home games, and then started going along to watch the Thistle women's games and whatnot. It was round about that time, and <laughs> it's funny because you have sort of been parallel to that. Like you've you've been that presence on the telly. So it's it's funny you've gone on that journey. Probably at the same time as a lot of other people have become more and more aware of of the women's game and tuned into it. So it's it's probably quite an exciting time to be involved in it. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and and obviously you've you're you're in a you know a really good position because you've you obviously have all your knowledge and expertise and contacts within the women's game but like you said you're, you're building up rapports and contacts um, and, and you know you're on the, the men's sports scene as well and um, delivering from that point of view so I, th- I think it's just it's, it's great that there's just this sort of seamless um, seamlessness between the, 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 the two games because for so long everything was kept separate like you said there were no opportunities when you started out and now look at it it's it's you know there's there's equal times in terms of highlights programs and the BBC and whatnot. You there's there's live games on every single weekend, um, either on iPlayer or on BBC Alpha, which is just it's brilliant. So it seems like a really exciting time to be involved in things. No, absolutely, and I think that's you know that's the, the motivation at times is that you're part of that change. You know, yeah. I, I'm lucky enough in the sense that the opportunities have presented themselves but without saying yes to the opportunities and throwing myself in at the deep end but you know at the very beginning thinking back to you know deliver, presenting the, the championship show alongside Stephen Thompson two mm-hmm. rookie presenters yeah. um, chucked in in front of live cameras <laughs> with very little experience now a lot of people you would laugh at us and would laugh at us in that moment um, and probably be very critical but at the same time, I'm not too sure that there would be many other people who would actually put themselves out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They'd be presented with that level of criticism. Um, it was sink or swim, you know, and, and you're trying to do the best you can. And, and whether um, it was, I mean, I loved that that show and the, the time working along, Stephen. He was one of the best guys in um, certainly the, the media world that I've come alongside. Um, really down to earth, totally humble, uh, and a hard worker, you know. And I, I'd probably see a lot of myself with those same attributes. So. We learned a lot from those experiences, but absolutely, I'm lucky in the sense that you know people are now recognising the women's game and it is getting that level of appreciation. But yeah. I would like to think I've helped play my part in the change in the mindset and the perceptions because speaking about the men's game, you have you basically have to be faultless. There's never a bit that you can get wrong because yeah. the scrutiny around that is so intense. And yeah, I, I, and week on week and, and day by day. Yeah, I put myself out there to try and 
show that football is football. You know, it's men and women, but yeah. football is, is the same thing to me. That's that doesn't change. That's really interesting you've said that phrase, football is football, because uh, Rose Riley was on the radio last week. It was the, the morning after uh, England got through to the final, so they'd just beaten Sweden 4 0. And Rose Riley was on the, the radio, and a, a caller had uh, phoned in to, to make a comment about how different the women's game was and stuff like that. And Rose Riley, the absolute legend of the game, just was like, football's football. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you see it how you see it, and that's it. So I, that's really that's really funny that you've said that as well. I, I think for a lot of women, though, like, we, we grew up with football being recognised as a male dominant sport and a male dominant environment. So we've adapted from the very beginning. Yeah. Our experiences have always been a blended experience. Whereas yeah. I think for a lot of people now that are seeing women playing football, it's almost like out of the ordinary. It's like something that they've never heard before. Yeah. Which, which 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 is crazy, and you think not that long ago it was literally banned in this country. So it's it's it's, it's, it's a brilliant time to, to to be involved, and I've seen the evolution of it as well over the last five six years from my own perspective. It's just it's great to see. So Leanne, thinking about this season in particular for for Motherwell, what what are the yeah. aims for you guys? Obviously, there's a bit of a natural split occurring. Um, in, uh, in, in, in the top league at the moment with teams going professional and whatnot. So is, is, it, is it a battle for this top six then for Motherwell? Yeah, I think, you know, realistically, I think for us that will be where our aims are at. Um, we finished seventh last season yeah. in a league of ten. And it's a point, you know, there were certain games we looked at where we really felt that we could have taken maximum points from and we didn't. Uh, so this year we've kind of looked at that as a group we've sat down we've strengthened we've added a number of players to the squad which I think will be really good additions and we've settled in magnificently well in pre-season we've had six games throughout pre-season where we've, we've been able to kind of bed down a lot of our you know, philosophy and identity and the values that we've got at the club and the way that we want the team to play and it seems to be coming together quite nicely but I don't think anything in a friendly game can ever be kind of truly reflective in the most competitive matches when there's points on the line. So yeah. um only deal, but absolutely I think we did the league come over that year. Um certainly for we started last summer at the club to where we are now, it, it should be exciting. You know, I think anybody associated with Motherwell and certainly the women's side should be excited for this season. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's that's good to hear, that's quite encouraging. Um, and then finally, Leanne, if, if you don't mind me um, asking, obviously, over, what was it, over 70 caps for Scotland, <laughs> a fantastic servant to the, the country. How do you see things shaping up for the, the current Scotland setup? I feel as though there was a bit of a transition phase when Pedro first came in, a wee bit of a change of style, yeah. obviously losing Kim Little was, was massive. But um, how, how do you feel things are, are set up at the moment and are you confident of getting through this very complicated playoff process? <laughs> yeah, I think for me it probably took a while actually to realise the impact of not qualifying for the Euros. Um, I think to be part of that group that failed, we kind of felt like you focus on the football side of it and that you've missed out in a tournament and you've lost games. But I think because the tournament was also... Delayed for a year. Yeah. We kind of had, to, you know, we've waited long enough for the tournament to come round, um, and I think it's been a hangover that's kind of hung over the, the squad for that entire time. So I think actually the end of the Euros kind of draws a line under that failure, almost, yeah. which is, is yeah. ultimately what it was. I think Scotland qualifying for back-to-back tournaments and not to get to a home Euros um, 
in England was a disaster, you know, an absolute disaster. So I think now Pedro is, you know, there's more positive signs. I think the last couple of performances has been positive signs. I think you can see the way the, the team shaping up, the way he's wanting to move the ball. I think in possession, out of possession, this team may have, have a real grasp of it. I think it helps when you've got your full squad available to select from. You know, players like Eric Cuthbert, Caroline Beer. You need them there, you need your captain, you need the consistency, um, the goalkeeping department's always huge, so um, all of that seems to have kind of settled down now, and it'll just, you know, I think Pedro is probably a better indication of what he's playing group like, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how they integrate together, but they're a talented bunch and, and they're a, a group of professional footballers, and I think that's what we need to remember now, so yes, we can look at other nations and think we're perhaps not quite winning, No, it's 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 good. Like I said, I think initially I had a few reservations um, with with the change in, in the coaching and whatnot. But I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head. The last couple of performances of and even that that home game against Spain, um, there were some really encouraging signs like that. We, we certainly weren't yeah. play, played off the park at all. We more than held our own and had a good few chances. So I, yeah, I think I think things are heading in the right direction. Um, but listen, Leanne, I'll, I'll let you get going. I know you've got a, a, a busy day ahead of you and um, all the best with Motherwell and um, we'll, we'll see you on the telly as well and hear you on the radio soon, no doubt. No worries, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Right, cheers. All right, cheers. Thanks, Benny. Um, I'm delighted now to be joined um, by the Harps um, defender and co-captain, uh, Georgia Hunter. Georgia, welcome along. How are you doing? I am good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much for coming on Scottish Football Forums podcast. So, as we said, um, you, um, you're one of the captains at uh, Hearts, just a, a young age of 21. How is that responsibility, captain a team um, of such magnitude? I know it's, it's been one of my dreams since I've started playing with Hearts. Um, this will be, I think, my tenth season I'm going into Hearts. So, to be playing at this level as well as being co-captain alongside Mariel, it's just a dream come true. Like it's a privilege to be where I'm at. Like, it does come alongside a lot of hard work and effort and commitment, but I'm willing to do that. It's a great, great group of girls to, like, be captain of, like, co-captain, so I'm proud to be where I'm at at the moment. Obviously, um, must be an honour being, obviously, captain of Hearts now, um, and you were part of the team that got promoted um, to the SWPL1 in 2019. You know, what was that experience like, getting promoted? Yeah, I mean, doesn't happen a lot, but it was great to see all the girls like buzzing to be promoted. It's a massive thing, and to be in this league, it just needed to happen for Hearts. I think for like 
where it was going and women's football is getting bigger and bigger and I think we deserved after that season to be promoted and it's great to be in the league now competing at the top level in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, people forget, I mean, people obviously look at the name Harps and obviously think that Harps should be one of the, the big teams in the country, certainly the men's game, that's where they're at. But in women's football, they're still almost relatively new, similar to like said, um, Aberdeen and a few other teams. Um, but um, yeah. the, the couple of seasons that you've had in the top flight have been quite a challenge. And um, last season, you finished eighth um, out, of, out of 10. There was no um, threat in the end of relegation or playoffs because the way the league changed. How did you view, view the season as it progressed? I mean, we definitely got better. Like, it was like a transition year. So, Eva and the other staff, like, have a style of play that want to play. And all the girls try hard every single week and put in 100% effort to carry out what they want. So, through that year, it was just aiming to stay in the league. We never knew there was a relegation to begin with. So, we were just trying our best to stay in there, compete at a high level, show teams what we're, like, what we can do. And we did stay up and we, we were in an okay position. But we, by the end of the season, we, like created standards that are really high so that is good to move us on to this season so we've got a good like pedestal to stay at and we'll carry on from there yeah and uh, there were a couple of highlights um in the season um you you, you managed two good wins against an Aberdeen side who finished fifth in the league um both away yeah. from home and there was obviously crowds of around nearly um six thousand um you know a couple of the derby matches as well they must have been very special to play in as well yeah, 100%. That's like a big moment for Hearts to be in those type of games with those crowds. That's what women's football needs and that's what it deserves at this moment. Like, needs more recognition, especially us. Like, it's coming and it's great and I feel like it's going to keep improving and that's what we need to, like, get women's football higher now. Yeah, definitely. And you you were also in a semi-final as well in the Scottish Cup and you pushed Celtic pretty much all the way. You know, it took them to extra time and it just took the intervention of the, the league's top goal scorer, Charlie Wellings, to be the difference in the end. Yeah. But that must give you um, a lot of confidence knowing that if you can push someone like Celtic hard, um, hard, then you can do something better in the league campaign coming up. Yeah, 100%. I just, that just showed like what Hearts can do and what we can do and all the effort definitely worked off that game. It's just getting that consistency throughout the season to compete at that top level because we definitely deserve to be up there. It's just maybe it's going to take us a little bit longer. We've got a young side, but it's a lot of learning progress and we will get there in the end, 100%. Yeah, and you've also got, you mentioned Eva, um, Eva, the manager. You know, she's come across from, from Spain. Um, it, she's also had, having to learn, you know, the Scot Scottish culture. Um, how, how have things been progressing under her stewardship? Yeah, it's definitely progressing quite fast, I'd say. She's got high standards for us and she knows what she wants us to do and everyone is, like, under what she's going to do. Everyone's fully into it and it's just great. Like, I've never been coached by a woman before, so it was a bit of a change, but I really do enjoy playing under Eva. Like, she's got her best interest in every single player and she will do, what like, whatever you need and she will work for you if you work for her. So it is great. Yeah, and it's not even just, you know, adjusting to... You know, a new manager from the last year, but you're now, um, the the club have now gone to professional, um, so there'll be a different standard standards of training. It won't just be your Monday, Tuesday, Thursday night training. There'll be more training, yeah. I'd imagine. You know, how are you finding that step up? Yeah, it is, it is a lot of commitment, but if you're willing to do it, you're willing to do it. Like I love football, and it's literally my life, so I'm I'm committed to it. Um, I, I work as well, and I'm at uni, so it's a bit of a juggle, but 
it's worth it in the end. Like I enjoy it. I love every moment and at heart it's, it's great. You've got all the facilities, everything you need is right there. And the training is just great. You enjoy every second. So why wouldn't you want to be there? So Yeah. Well, you've got um, a world-class facility in Orium to put um, to train at and obviously you play your, uh, your Sunday games at. Um, but we've obviously touched <laughs> on that you had a game at Tyne Castle last season. You're hoping hope, um, this season that you might get one or two games at um, yeah. Tyne Castle this season. You know, what would that mean if you could get? Um, because obviously the game's growing, but you also want more people to come watch you as well. Yeah, 100%. That's what you need, obviously. Like I said, to grow the women's game, you need the fans, you need the support there. Being at Tyne Castle would just be amazing. It's just to be the equivalent of the men. Like It's just having the stadium, like the whole atmosphere. It's just, it just changes the game, I think. It does also encourage the girls to, like, I don't know, it just changes the whole game. And with the support behind you, it's just, it'd be a completely different feel, I, I would say. But either or, if it's at the Orium or whatever, it's still the football and we're still there to try and win games. Yeah, well, if you win more games, then maybe more people will certainly come and watch. We'll wait yeah. and see how they'll go. But, um, please, I, I see that you've signed um, quite a few players um, for the new season. Um, and obviously, how, how are pre, um, how is, um, pre-season preparations have been going? And how are the new players, like Sir Jenna Penman and Emma Brownlee, Chiara Grant, all settling into the club? Yeah, it was a really good feel coming back into pre-season. Everyone was just buzzing. Like putting all their effort in. We had the training camp away to large, which was great to get to know everyone and gel as a team. Like it's just a definitely like a good positive feeling around the squad at the moment. The new signings are just great people, great vibes. Like they just come into the team, they gel straight away. They know what they're talking about with football, they know what they're doing. And it's good. Just keep the intensity high at training as well. It's just great to have players like that come in and help build the team. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously it will increase competition. So does that keep you in your toes as well to make sure your first name in the team sheet first name happen? You don't just take it for granted because you're co-captain, yeah. you're nailed on to start. You've got to work for your position. Yeah, 100%. That's my mindset always. You're, you're never getting given anything in football. You always have to work for it 100%. Even if you're getting played 90 minutes one week or the next, you always have to work for it. Always put 100% and always room to improve. Even with competition, I would say that's good in a team. It keeps everyone on their toes and it keeps everyone trying 100% all the time. Absolutely. And um, well, you never know what can happen. And um, yeah. the, the opening day of the season, you've got Partick Thistle. Um, there wasn't much between yourselves and them um, last season. There was, um, you just finished above them in the league. They had a, given the fact that they were thrown in at the last minute, they had not bad yeah. season. They were also in Scottish Cup semi-finals. Just... Um, Talk about how difficult this opening game um, is going to be. I mean, we obviously ended on a high last season by winning against Partick Thistle, so that's obviously gave us a good like, good confidence to go into the game. But you always want to start on the right foot and you always want to get a game at the start of the season and start as you mean to go on. So we're definitely aiming for that and that will be a good game to start off with. I think the girls are definitely up for it. And what are the aims for the club this season? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you won't be... Um, shouting out about going for the title because let's be honest Glasgow City Celtic and Rangers have set such a high bar that other teams are going to have to work real hard to get up there but is it going to be mainly top six or are you thinking let's just see if we can survive first and then push on what is the general ambitions and vibes around the club I think definitely try and aim for the top six I feel like we need to get our ambitions quite high. And we did we had do set barriers high for the team and with the signings coming in and the squad we've already got is definitely strengthened and our aims from the staff and Eva are just really they're really good and they're really 
ambitious and we're definitely aiming to be in the top six like that is one of our main goals and why not it's definitely definitely possible and with the team we've got we could get there yeah well you, you never know there's going to be there's a lot of good competition though for those um, places because obviously Hibs have got a strong side Aberdeen and Mother were the ones in fifth and sixth last season and um, Part it might be there, but it's done. United are also coming up. It's going to be some battle to see who makes up those um, remaining positions behind the Glasgow three. Definitely, I, I guess that's what Glasgow three should say. Yeah, I guess that's what you need in the league. We need it exciting. You need it not to be able to like see who's going to be in top three or top six. Like you need to see like sometimes it's going to be one team, sometimes it's going to be the other. Like it's not predictable, and I feel like that's what you need. It makes it more exciting, and it makes teams feel like, oh, I could, I'm going definitely going to win this game, or is it? But yeah, definitely our goal is going to be a top six, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, there's also going to be win fixtures that you're going to be looking out for quite a lot. Um, the matches we have, just, just what's, um, what's it like playing in the Edinburgh Barbies? And I remember not long ago, you actually won one before Christmas 2020. Yeah, that was a great feeling. I mean, it's a completely different game, I'd say, to all the others. But you always go into every game with the mindset, let's win this game. Derby's obviously, the men's side, it's a bit... Women's side, I'd say, is a little bit less, but a derby is a derby. You go in and you aim to just win. And that's that's it. Keep the same mindset and you just do it. And and finally, Georgia, just what would then be a satisfactory season from your point of view, um, both for the club and for yourself personally? I would just say stick to the game plan, strengthen the squad and definitely be up in the top six at the end of the season. Just consistently compete at the top level in Scotland like we're in this season we're in this league for a reason so why not let's do it well you never know well Georgie thank you very much for your time and good luck for the season I now hand you back to Dave who has a bonus interview with Claire Gemmell yeah, I'm here tonight with Claire Gemmell Claire how are we this fine Tuesday evening yeah all good uh, can't complain I don't think the weather knows that it's doing right enough but yeah all good um, and glad to be talking to you Absolutely. How did you, first and foremost, before we look ahead to this season, how did you look back at last season? Uh, you did a bit of media work last season and from the outside looking in, exciting title race, majors won the league, uh, they had a lot of, showed great mentality, got Champions League football, Glasgow City and Celtic had their own uh, historic moments as well, obviously Glasgow City not exactly it's uh, victorious as, as they usually are. Celtic won, won the double. So a lot of highlights in, in, in there last year. There was. There was a lot of change, wasn't there? Um, so I think for the outsider looking in, as you say, it was uh, probably a more exciting season than a lot of seasons gone by where Glasgow City pretty much won every league and, you know, between them and Hibernian were competing for cups. So I think that was a kind of changing point. And I think with folk becoming professional, that had a big influence in that you see with the investments going on and how then clubs can compete with each other. And as you said, you see that with Rangers getting their first title last year and then Celtic winning both Cups. So, yeah, disappointing for Glasgow City. However, I'm sure they'll come out this season uh, and, and try to kind of right that wrong, so to speak. But they will have difficult competition, I think, in both Rangers and Celtic this season. I definitely think it will be between kind of day three, again, going for, going for titles and going for Cups. It's an interesting one, I think, Claire, as well, because Rangers have strengthened. Glasgow City have embedded themselves with Ayla Gleeson now. I think they're a more formidable outfit, if I'm going to be honest. Celtic, there's rumours that I don't want to be mentioning publicly, but there is rumours regarding players, but they're still going to be strong. 
Hibs have added and are going full time. Hearts are semi pro, and uh, Aberdeen are, are, are semi pro as well. Of course, there's other teams in the league. Uh, you have Marlborough and Crichton as well. There's a lot of strong teams in the league this year. There is, and you can see, as you said, just mentioned those teams that are even trying to go semi pro, you know, maybe not have the capabilities right now to go fully professional, but they're still trying to do their bit to improve their squad, to improve the league. And I think that's really important is that every season, teams try and take that on board and try and push the game forward in whatever way they can, you know, either individually as a club or collectively as a group of clubs. What what can what can we do to kind of try and push the women's team forward? So yeah, you know, I think all the teams are, are looking quite exciting and they are trying to do the right things. And you, you mentioned you know, Glasgow City bedding in with her new coach and I think this season, you know, she'll be a proper run at it. You'll probably see she'll bring in folk that she feels that can can influence her team and the, the style of play she wants to play better. And then the same will follow, you know, with, with Rangers strengthening, Celtic strengthening, and as you said, Hibs now becoming professional. So it is really exciting going forward. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, to be honest. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a league in which you look at it, apart from probably the top three, where everybody could, everybody could be everybody. And then when the Rangers... Um, Glasgow City and Celtic play each other there's going to be a hotly anticipated encounters in there as well There will be and you know it's a game of football at the end of the day so you need to go out and perform no matter who you're playing against and I think that that's something that you know as a former player and players going into these games will know you you kind of just turn up regardless of who you're playing against but yeah probably the most exciting fixtures this season are going to be against the top three and potentially you could maybe bring Hibs into that um, even Spartans, you know, getting some interesting results last year. But I think, and the problem is, is with it being so tight, you know, you, you can't really afford not to perform. It, it's not as a case you can drop points and then worry about it later. You, you really need to count and try and win every game you're playing. That's how tight it is. So it's, it really is going to make for an exciting season. How did you look at Rangers this season, last season, especially being a former player and a supporter of the club? Last season, sorry. Right, last season's big one, yeah. Um, I thought they were really impressive. You know, obviously, I was still there right at the beginning, the, the kind of professional setup, but that was like the first year. And then getting into last season, you had a core group of players that had played together for a, for one year, and then they, they brought in additional players to that and strengthened. And I thought you could, you could see in the way they played that they were confident in each other's ability, they knew where each other was going to be, they knew what to expect from each other, and I think they showed that in a lot of their games last season, especially in the league, you know, they went unbeaten. I think for them, the downfall was the Cup, where obviously both times get, get put out off a of Celtic, but at the same time, from a Celtic perspective, I think that shows their kind of nature and their kind of dogged nature, which is something I don't think they'll lose this year. But yeah, I was really impressed with Rangers last year and I think a lot to be said that they went unbeaten and managed to win the title. Yeah, I, I think Rangers kind of got a bit of the monkey off the back, didn't they? Because Rangers were renowned for being that side that would lose big games, mentality got questioned, they, they showed how they could show a different side to the game last season. Yeah, they did. And that is the thing. It's, it, it does become, like you say, like a, like a monkey on your back. Do you know what I mean? And you, you kind of seem to shake it. But the thing is, with mentality, you, you can't really teach it. it. It's something you've just got to, to have. It's, it's a kind of a way of playing. It's a way of training. And I think that going forward, they, you know, they are signing these types of players with that mentality. And I think that's rubbing off in the culture of Rangers and why they've managed to cross the line last year. The league this season is 
margin the SPFL rather than the SWPL, uh, that's going to be a good in terms of exposure for the players, quality for the players, and uh, on the back of what's been happening in terms of women's Euros and the BSL in England and all that kind of stuff, it's good to see where we're on an upward traje- trajectory. Of course it is, and, and just as you said there, off the back of that Euros competition where England have managed to win it in their home turf, do you know what I mean? And you just see the publicity that's getting, so it's probably come at a great time that, that we're kind of changing alliances, and I think it'll only be a good thing. Um, as long as you know they take that on board and actually try and push the game forward, I think the title's not enough. It's what they then do with that. How can they then support the women's women's game? How are you putting it out there? How are you marketing it? And how can we get more folk to games? So I was speaking to Bobby Watson from Hamilton about this, and he was mentioning about the fact that uh, there's a lot still being made clear regarding how much the clubs will get financially from the SPFL. And that's a big million-dollar question upon these clubs. But at the same time as well, it's about how clubs are marketing the social media. How can they get fans through the gates as well? Yeah, it's it's a combination of both. You know, I think the clubs have responsibility to do their own marketing and try and get folk to games. But I think it's a collective responsibility as well. And money, unfortunately, is what you need, you know, to push your teams forward. If, If you've not got money, how do you get players in? How do you get the equipment you need? How do you get the backroom staff you need? So you do need money. Um, and I think that hopefully, you know, they will get clarity in, in what backing financially they're going to get. But I think there has to be improvements at least every season that it's going up the way because that's the only way the game can continue to grow. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What players have you been impressed with, uh, either when you played or indeed uh, looked or watched games and, and players to watch out for, basically? Certainly, I mean, last season there was a few players that I was impressed with watching. I, I, I thought Jacinta for Celtic was a standout player for them last year, um, just in terms of the way she she could pick up the ball in between the lines. And a lot of defences really, really struggled to cope with her. And I think when she wasn't playing, you know, they maybe struggled to have the same link between midfield to forward. So I think she was a really big player for them. And I think they'll be delighted that, you know, she's still there this season. Um and I think actually newly coming forward uh, into the Rangers team, a, a young player, Kirsty McLean. Oh, She's such a promising talent. You know, she, she did get some minutes last year, but I think you maybe see her getting a wee bit more this year. And I would say she certainly won for the watching. Andy Garner was your previous manager at Rangers. Um, yeah. How do you think she's going to get on at Glasgow Women? Because I spoke to Andy last week and Andy was looking forward to the challenge of going back to the SWPL ones, especially after being there at Rangers. Yeah, I mean, Andy, he's, he's a really competitive guy, you know. Um, he just loves football and he loves to kind of try and make it enjoyable for his players. So his training, I always enjoyed his training. Um, so I think he, he'll be under no illusions. It will be a difficult task for him this year, you know. The, they're coming in having beaten Borough Muir in the playoffs to come up. So they won't have the financial backing that other clubs have got. And obviously a lot of players at the top end of the league are coming in from other countries and stuff like that. So it's going to be a mountain to climb for him, but make no mistake about it. He's, he's going to give it a good go, you know, and he'll, he'll set his team up to to be difficult to beat. And I think the important thing for them is they'll be looking to pick up points against teams maybe around their level, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but maybe teams towards the bottom end of the league, you know. 
And just look at Aberdeen last year, they were newly promoted and they managed to finish mid-table. So nothing's impossible. And I think if they were to do something similar, that would be seen as a very good season for them. Yeah. Out of Nordry here, I'm going to finish off this interview clear by looking at Scotland because Scotland are a, a really good position at the moment. They've had a good uh, last couple of games. They did obviously the majority of girls were in the cold season, but still they were in international duty and served their, their country with the distinction. Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, Scotland, I think, are going from strength to strength every year. And I think, in my opinion, I think one of the biggest reasons for that is the fact that. Well, one year the domestic league's getting stronger. However, you find a lot of players in the Scotland squad actually play elsewhere in more established leagues, either down south or abroad. And I think that there's no coincidence that then that as a national team that they're competing better because players are playing at a higher level every week in these other leagues. So I think that bringing back to the Scottish league is important that we keep continuing to try and push and grow that league so that the standard continues to rise and rise for younger players coming through. That was the thing, uh, Claire. Pedro Martinez Loza was didn't get a criticism as such, but there was quest- a lot more questions than there was answers at the beginning of his reign. But the Scotland players are beginning to to feel what he was capable of and the force of it he plays. I think that's the thing, isn't it? When a when a new manager comes in, and the fact is, when it's the Scotland squad, you're not getting the same time as you would do at a domestic level if you had a club and you're training with them maybe four times a week. So it, it probably does take longer for players to buy into the style of play the manager, the, you know, what it's expecting of them, what he expects from them to expect from each other. So it does take time. And unfortunately, if the results are not going your way, then everybody's looking at you. Um, basically, what's going on, you know, and the fingers get pointed. But yeah, I think now they're, they're starting to settle. You're starting to see what he's trying to do. So it, it's just about giving a manager time. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't seem to get but. I think they're going in the right direction. Finally, Claire, um, over recent times, it's good to see the country play the Hamden again because we've seen plenty of kids from, uh, plenty of girls, sorry, from grassroots clubs going out, out to the games and also plenty of supporters to, that aren't just following the men's team, they're following the women's team now as well. Definitely. And I think, again, you know, that, that's a lot to do with being able to market the game properly and girls can see themselves in, in girls, you know, um, like, whatever Caroline Weir and different things like that, they, they can see themselves being those players. It's it's about giving them role models. So I think encouraging them to games is only going to get more and more. And the, the more availability they've got to it, the, the only, the, it's just a, an amazing thing for the sport. And I, I do think the country is going the right direction and long may it continue. Thanks very much to Claire Gemmell, much appreciated. Thank you to David and Vinny for the help in putting together this double episode SWPL1 preview. And of course to our guests from all 12 clubs for making this happen. SWPL1 and 2 matches are normally played every Sunday and entry fees are reasonably priced. So why not pop along and see for yourself how much the women's game in Scotland is progressing. Check out each club's social media pages or website for more details. Good luck to all the clubs involved and here's to another memorable SWPL1 campaign for season 2022-23.